Tonight, I want to talk with you about one phase of getting into God's Word, and uh, that's in the area of Scripture memory. There are many other things that I could say. I do want to just mention to you that I think it's one of the greatest ways to get a, a good, fast, quick, working knowledge of the Bible. And so we're going to talk about that tonight, but the first thing I want to do is deal with some of the objections that I've heard through the years to memorizing verses. And one of the first and one of the best, probably best quoted and that you may hear, is that, well, I don't memorize verses because I don't want to take it out of context. And you know, there are all kinds of groups running around, and, and there are many sect and uh, cult groups, and uh, they build all kinds of doctrine by taking verses out of context. And I don't see any need to memorize it and just take it out of context. So let me say a word about that. First place, I would say that when you are memorizing a verse, study the context, study the story around it. And the fact that some people take it out of context does not mean that you have to. And even if you do on occasion, you stand in mighty good company because Jesus did and Paul did and Peter did. Now, for example, on the day of Pentecost, let me uh, just refer to one little area. On the day of Pentecost, Peter stands up and preaches, and he quotes, he happens to quote from Joel, Joel 2, I believe, and as he begins to quote, these people, as they had stood to preach on the day of Pentecost, Peter and others, that people were marveled, and they thought they were drunk. And here's what Peter said. He says, For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day, but this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel, and then he quotes Joel, and down here towards the end, he says, And and I will grant wonders in the skies above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood. And he goes on, and that didn't happen on the day of Pentecost. It just didn't. Now, the first part happened, but the second part didn't. But old Peter's memorized the whole passage and is going to use it. So he just gets after it. Now, I want to say this to you many times. Remember this, many times God will speak to you out of context. He will do that for guidance, now not for doctrine. There's a difference. You see, you don't memorize something out of context and try to make a doctrine out of it, but many times when God has given you guidance, he will speak out of context. Many, many times God will do this. I remember in seminary one night having sitting up till about 3 o'clock in the morning and arguing with a group of guys because I shared with them how on one occasion I'd prayed, and some of you heard me uh, relate this, how I'd been praying for a promise as to what God had for my life, and the words at farm were, God, give me men and give me people. And I told God, that's what I want for my life. Give me men, give me people who will walk with you. Well, the very next verse I read was Isaiah 43, 4. Since I was precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee, therefore will I give men for thee and people for thy life. And I was trying to share with one of these fellows that God had given me a promise. He said, no, he didn't. That was written for Isaiah. Way back there. I mean, God didn't have you in mind. I said, listen, Isaiah, I know Isaiah didn't know that Max Barnett was going to claim that one day. I don't have any doubt about that. But you know, there's something above Isaiah, and it happens to be God. Now, see, I wouldn't roar around the earth preaching that as doctrine, that what Isaiah teaches is God's going to give Max Barnett people. No, if I were teaching the book, of Isaiah in a January Bible study, I wouldn't preach that as doctrine. But I have no doubt but what God very specifically gave that to me for guidance. I can tell you story after story of time when God's given specific guidance. One time before Sandy and I were married, and we lived in Dallas, and she had an opportunity to come to Oklahoma City 
and to be a secretary for Gene War and live with Irma, who later became, became his wife, and to get some training. So we'd pray. We're praying about that, about her doing that. And one morning, she happened to be over in Deuteronomy, and God said, you've circled this mountain long enough. Head north. Well, I mean, you can't get much more north from Dallas than Oklahoma City. Now, I know God spoke to her through that, and he confirmed it in many, many ways. But there are many, many times that God will do that. One time years ago, when Preacher Hallett was still alive, and his son was trying to get into Brazil as a missionary, and they would not allow him in, and he could not get inside that country. And so day after day, as news came back, Preacher would get up early in the morning and meet with God. And one day he came across Isaiah 45:22, And he shall go before thee, and he said, He's going to cut the bar bars in iron, uh, the bars of iron asunder. And he knew when he read that verse that that day he claimed it. He said, God, you're going to let him in. He got a word back, and the door had been opened for his son to go into Brazil. Now, if you will talk with people through the years and read the lives of, of men, you will find that this is a very, very common experience. And I had heard one of the greatest seminary professors I think Southern Baptists have ever produced, Dr. Kenneth Chafin, says many times, God will speak out of context. Now, he will. Now, you don't, when you're memorizing verses, you don't primarily memorize just to make it say what you want it to say. But you're reading along, you're asking God to speak to you, you come across a verse, and it's perfectly legitimate to memorize a verse, and you do not have to be so fearful. That's not most people's problem, taking it out of context. Now, for example, not only do you not have to take it out of context, and I would encourage you not to take it out of context, although God will sometimes speak to you out of context, that you learn the context is a result of the verse. Now, for example, if I said to some of you, now you've heard the story of David and Goliath ever since you were knee-high to a grasshopper, right? I mean, you heard that when you were in the nursery in the biters or the crawlers or something department. I mean, way back there, you've heard the story of David and Goliath. But if I were to go around and ask many of you, where is the story of David and Goliath? Many of you do not know, right? Well, it's in the Old Testament. Well, good. <laughs> Real good. In the Old Testament. Wouldn't take you but about three days to find it. And see, that's a tremendous story of what God was able to do through a young man. And see, I know where it is because one day I memorized one verse. In 1 Samuel 17:45, it says, Then said David to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and a spear and a shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord God of Israel, the God of armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. That's 1 Samuel 17, 45. Now, as a result of 1 Samuel memorizing one verse, I know where the whole story of David and Goliath is. It's the 17th chapter of 1 Samuel. And I know where it is because of one verse. Now, did I take the verse out of context? No, I know the context because of the verse. It's kind of like a hole in a donut. Get the hole. If you can go down here to the donut shop and they'll sell you holes, you can get all the dough around it if they'll give you the free hole, see? Right? <laughs> it's kind of like a handle on a suitcase. You can reach down and pick up the handle. Have you ever carried a suitcase? In order to carry the whole deal, you just pick up the handle. And the handle en enables you to carry that great big suitcase. Well, it's the same with a verse. You can memorize a verse. Somebody, if I were to ask, you're over in the dorm witnessing, or someone comes in, and you'd like to remember, where's that story about Jesus and Nicodemus, where Jesus told this young religious man he had to be saved? Well, if you would someday memorize John 3:16 and read the context, you'd know for the rest of your life where the story of Jesus and Nicodemus is. And you know, one day it just dawned on me, one morning, not too long past, I was just happened to be reviewing one morning some verses out of Genesis. 
And you know, I can tell you exactly the story of what happened between Genesis 39 and Genesis 50 because of four verses. Now, let me just tell you what happened quickly. Genesis 39, 9 through 12, and I'd memorize that one day because of a tremendous passage on temptation. In Genesis 39, 9 through 12, it says, There is none greater in this house than I am. Now, Joseph at the time is talking to Potiphar's wife because she's tempting him towards sexual immorality. And he said to her, There is none greater in this house than I am. Neither has he, that is, your husband, kept back anything from me but you're his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And it came to pass as she spake to Joseph day by day that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went in the house to do his business, and there were none of the men of the house there within. And she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. Now, that's the King James. He got him out. I like that. Fled and got him out. Okay. What happened? All right. That's the story. He ran. She held on to his coat. She began to holler for the servants and told him how he'd tried to molest her and all that. She laid his coat aside when her husband got home. She lied to her husband about what Joseph had tried to do to her. And her, ho- her husband was, uh, was very angry and threw Joseph in prison. But God was with Joseph. And in Genesis thirty-nine twenty-three, it says the keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under Joseph's hand because the Lord was with him and that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. It wasn't long till he was chief servant in the prison, just like he'd been back in Potiphar's house because he was faithful, okay? While he's in prison, there are two people. They have dreams. They're disturbed. They can't interpret them. So one day, they tell their dream to Joseph. And so Joseph interprets them. Three days later, one guy says, You know, I had a dream last night, and I saw these clusters of grapes, and I squeezed them into this cup. Now, I don't know what that means. The other guy said, Well, I had a basket on my head and some bread, and birds came and ate it. Joseph says, Well, let me interpret those for you. The first one, squeezing the grapes into, in three days, you're going to again be restored. You're going to be out of prison in three days. You're going to be squeezed. You're going to be the king's cupbearer again. The other guy liked that interpretation. So he told about the bread. He said, man, these birds, you know, ate the bread off my head. He said, yeah, let me tell you what that means. Three days from now, you're going to be hung. (laughs) And what that means is the birds are going to eat your flesh. You know what happened three days later? Exactly what old Joseph said. Now, Joseph told this one guy, and incidentally, see, Joseph really believed that God had given him the right answer for that. And he told the, the, the cupbearer, he didn't tell the other one, he told the other, he said, when you get out of here, you remember me. It wasn't going to help the other guy to remember him. <laughs> so he told one fellow, he said, you remember me. Okay, two years later, the king has a dream. Boy, he wakes up one day and he's all disturbed. Here's his cupbearer. Been squeezing grapes in that cup or whatever he'd done for, you know, for two years. And so he noticed he's very discouraged. So he says to the king, king? Why are you discouraged? He says, Man, I had a dream. I can't interpret it. Oh, yeah, King. I remember when I was in prison, there's no boy could interpret He called all of his magicians, yet nobody could interpret dreams. He said, I remember a guy can't. He said, Oh, yeah, I remember now. See, two years. Now, there's a, you talk about a guy that had a great opportunity, just incidentally, to be bitter. I mean, he did. Already been sold into slavery. Then some guy's lie, wife lied about him, and here he is in prison. And two years later, the guy remembers. So he brings old... Oh, Joseph out of prison, shaves him, brings him in before the king, and he tells us, he tells the king what's going to happen. The king had two dreams. Well, out on the bank of the Nile, one day seven fat cows come up and begin to graze. Right after him comes seven skinny cows, and they eat up the fat cows. He goes back to sleep. After a while, seven full ears of corn come up, and then seven 
ears blasted by the east wind. That means skinny, see. <laughs> and the skinny ears eat up the fat ears. He said, I had two dreams. And Joseph said, no, you had one dream. God's just trying to tell you it's going to happen soon. Same dream, king. There's going to be seven years of plenty and seven years of drought. So he said, well, I'd recommend to you that during the seven years you lay by it in store and you select some man over your kingdom to lay that by in store. And then during the seven years of drought, you'll have something to eat. So the old king got to think about that. And then in Genesis 41, 38, it says, And Pharaoh said unto his, sermon, uh, unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this is, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? So he's got to think about that. Well, how about old Joseph? So he puts Joseph over. I mean, here he is, bring him out of prison. And now he's head over the whole land. Only one man ahead of him, Pharaoh. Well, his brothers come. You remember how he plays around with them, gives them a hard time, man, just... And then... One day after his father comes and all of his relatives move there, and then his dad dies. And his brother says, uh-oh, boy, he's going to mop up on us now for the way we treated him. And the only reason he had him before now is because of dad. And so they said, let's go talk to him. And so they go in and they said, Joseph, right before dad died, one of the last things dad said is, uh, don't treat us bad. <laughs> now, he no more said that than anything. I mean, but they, they were scared stiff. You know what Joseph said to him? In Genesis 50, 19 and 20, And Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to preserve many people alive. Now, I've told you what happened from Genesis chapter 39 through chapter 50. Now, I didn't memorize those verses in order. I didn't memorize them for that reason. But over a period of years after you memorize, you'll be amazed at the way as a result of those four verses one day, it suddenly dawned on me. I could tell you what happened between Genesis 39, 9 through 12, and 23, and Genesis 39, 23, and Genesis 41, 38, and I can tell you what happened Genesis 41, 38 through Genesis 50, 19, 20. One of the best things you'll ever do in your life to learn the context of the Bible is to memorize key passages. So don't let anybody ever sell you on this thing, well, I just don't memorize because I just don't want to take it out of context can be a problem, but it doesn't have to be. It can be one of the greatest ways there is to know the context is by memorizing. Study the context and memorize a key verse. Okay? Now, another reason why people don't rem memorize. They say, well, why memorize when you can read it? Well, I don't know about you, but I've found that many times temptations come to me when I'm not, I just don't happen to be sitting down reading. You ever notice that? And one of the great reasons to memorize is such that you can meditate on it. And Joshua 1, 8 says, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein when? Day and night. Now, there's no possible way that I know of for you to meditate in the Scriptures day and night apart from memorizing, because there's going to be time that you're going to be so busy during the day that you don't have time just to sit down and meditate over the Scriptures. Now, there's a place for that. I'm not belittling that. We ought to do that also. But one of the greatest ways to meditate is to, first of all, memorize it. You know, I've received some tremendous blessings in my life uh, just as a result of a time that would be overhead time for other people. You see, one of the things you have to learn to do with your time is make overhead time productive time. For example, one day I was driving to Falls Creek. I had to go down and speak at a, at a retreat. Now, the only way I know to get to Falls Creek from here is drive. I mean, there are not too many air flights in and and that type thing. So, I mean, it's going to take you over an hour to get there. If you drive anywhere like a semblance of the speed limit, you've got an hour of maintenance time on your hand. Well, as I was driving along, I'd review verses. And I remember that day 
just reviewing some verses in Job, in Job 1. And in Job 1, 20 through 22, after Job had heard about the loss of his children, the loss of his, of his wealth, of his cattle, everything he had, after he had heard about that, then the Scripture says, Then a Job, Job arose and rent his mantle and fell down upon the, and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped and said, Naked came I out from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return to her. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And you know, just going along thinking about that, I had a fantastic time with the Lord just thinking about Job's attitude and what would my attitude be if something like that happened. See, meditating, one of the greatest ways you can learn to meditate is by memorizing. And so you're going to find that many times in your life you need something, and the only way you'll have it is by memorizing it. You know, someone told me something else that I've heard more than once. In fact, is someone told me this one not long ago. I think Scripture memory is fine for a young Christian. That's a good way to get started. But then you need to really study in depth. Well, I don't have any doubt but what we need to study in depth. But let me tell you, some of the greatest truths you'll ever learn in, li in your life will be as a result of some of the verses that you memorize. Because the Holy Spirit of God will be able to speak to you. You'll be able to think about it, mull over it, pray over it. And let me assure you, that will be some study in depth. Now, there are other reasons. One, I think the biggest one, and let me just come to this. One of the biggest reasons people don't memorize, and I think the number one reason, is just either no one's ever shared it with them, they don't really know how, they don't know the value of it, or there's just spiritual laziness. And I think that's the number one reason people do not memorize. Spiritually lazy. Somewhere along the line, we've got an idea that if it's spiritual, it's always got to be exciting. Oh, man, it's, you know, if there's any discipline involved, it's legalism. Now, you know, if OU played football like that, just on the basis of inspiration, I would promise you that you'd not probably see a game during your college career. But they go out, they have certain hours to practice. If you don't feel like it, tough. Just show up anyway. Yeah, but coach, I got skinned yesterday. My shins hurt. Fine. You know, be out here at 3.30. Yeah, but I got my bell rang yesterday. See you at 3.30. Oh, but I got a test tomorrow. See you at 3.30. And there's discipline involved. And yet when it comes to the Christian life, unless there's great inspiration, you know, we usually don't do very much. Now, that's sad. All right, now let me ask you something, and you can help me with this. If I could share with you a way tonight, a simple plan, whereby you could consistently memorize verses, how do you think this would help you? And you just listen things for me, and I'll jot them down here. Someone just name one. One way that if I could share with you, now I'm not asking you to drop out of school. Oh, no. Quit your job. I'm not asking you necessarily to do, make any drastic changes from what you're doing right today. I'm not talking about a huge amount of time. I'm saying if we could talk about in terms of 10 to 15 minutes a day. And you could give me 10 or 15 minutes a day, and I could share a way with you such that you could memorize verses. How do you think that would help you? Someone just name one. All right? Help you share with others. You have in mind here Christians, non-Christians, whatever. Pick one. All right? One way it could help you is uh, share or witness to non-Christians. Like I say, witness <laughs> to non-Christians. Okay, I got the picture. Okay, one way would help you witness to non-Christians. Now, let me give you a verse for that in case you don't know one. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is within you with meekness and fear. Be ready always. 
Now, if you live the life, you're going to have some people begin to get interested in why you're different, and you ought to always be ready to tell them. All right? Another, okay, uh, clean the mind. Anybody know Ephesians 5.26? says, Now you're clean through the word which I've spoken unto you. The Bible has a tremendous cleansing effect. You're clean through the word. All right, somebody else. Do what? Okay, overcome temptation. One of the ways the Bible will help you is to overcome temptation. Anybody think of a verse on that? First Corinthians 10, 13, there's no temptation taking you. All right? As such as is common to man. All right, what else? Another? Okay, let's, let me give you another verse on this one. Overcome temptation. Psalms 119, verses 9 and 11. And have you learned that? And wherewithal shall a young man or a young person cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word? Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Okay? What did you say, Susie? All right, change character. Now, that's a big, big one. You know, there are a lot of, of characteristics and things we could list under that, but change character. Anybody got a verse on that one? How the Word would change your character. Okay, share that with us. Okay, good. Ephesians 4, 22 and 23. All right, another one now. Just something that would relate to the Word changing your character. All right? Okay, then you, shall you have good success. Okay? All right, Joshua 1, 8. Someone else. All right? Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. All right? All right? Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Okay? 2 Corinthians three eighteen. That's uh, looking into the perfect law of liberty, and you'll be transformed thereby. All right? Another one? Okay? List some things under character, not necessarily under character. What's another area that you think, if you memorize verses consistently, that it would help you? All right, growth should help you to grow. First Peter two two, as newborn babes, what desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Acts twenty thirty two, Paul's writing to the people at Ephesus that he thinks he'll never see again, and he says, I commend you to the word of God, to God, the word of His grace, which shall build you up. So the idea here of the Scriptures building you up and help you to grow. 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scriptures give them inspiration of God. All right. all right, breaking bad habits. I think it would. All right, let's say this. Psalm... Okay, now this is a good point. And let me, let me share some verses with you. Jot down. What about things in your life and they're not necessarily sin, but they really don't help you that much? All right, 1 Corinthians 6.12. All things are lawful for me. That is, like going to the movie every night of the week or watching television or whatever. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. doesn't help you that much. And in 1 Corinthians 10, 23, all things are expedient, all things are not lawful. I mean, all things are lawful, all things are not expedient. All things lawful, but not all things are, are expedient or necessary. Okay? And then Psalm, let me give you another. Psalms 19:11. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in the keeping of them there is great reward. See, God will warn you about those habits if you spend time in His Word. Okay. Second Timothy 2:15. What's that? Okay. All right. Um, Hebrews 4:12. You know, as far as like gray areas, you know, there's divides between the intention of the heart and the word does, so it can help you to know whether or not something is a thing that you should or shouldn't be involved in. Okay. Whether it is good or not. See, the Word of God is quick. You know what that means? Quick, sharp, powerful. It's alive is the idea. And boy, if you don't think that's true, you 
take your life daily to the Word of God and see how alive it is. I mean, it'll get all over you. <laughs> it's not some something that's dead. You'll find that God will very definitely speak to you about needs in your life. Okay, other ways it would help you. If you, okay, back here. All right, guidance. That that's one way the Bible would be helpful. It's guidance. Guidance. Okay. For example, Psalms. 119, 130, the entrance of thy word giveth light. See, some of you are praying about what you're going to do, who you're going to marry, what you're going to major in. What you're going to, the entrance of thy word gives light. It gives understanding unto the simple. We like that, don't we? Understanding for the simple. Uh, Psalms 119, 165. What does that say? Someone know that one? All right, great peace have they which love thy law, nothing shall offend them. 119, 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Okay, a lot of, see, one of the things that happens over a period of time is you memorize, topics will come up and, and verses will just come to your mind. And so the, the word and scriptures that you've memorized can well help you as far as light, giving you light. And see, you'll be reading along someday and there's certain area, shady area in your life and you don't know it's sin and God will really speak to that and deal with that area. So he'll really give you guidance through his word. Okay, someone else. Another way. That's right. All right, give me a verse. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding. All your ways acknowledge Him. And He shall what? Direct your path. All right? All right, control your tongue. That's a good one. Control tongue. What? James 1, 26. What does that say? Yeah, that's pretty plain, isn't it? <laughs> James 3, 8. But the tongue can no man tame. It's an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. But see, God can do that. Another one? Ephesians 4, what? Okay, David, speaking the truth in love. Ephesians, also 4, since we're in Ephesians 4, Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, that which is good to the use of edifying or building up, that it may minister grace to the hearers. Jim? Psalms 15.3, what does that say? Okay, okay. Who's going to dwell in the holy hill of the Lord in the sanctuary? He that speaks no gossip with his tongue and doesn't malign his neighbor, that type of thing. All right? Okay. All right, one of the ways he's saying that scripture memory could help you is the use of time. I would uh, encourage you to memorize some in that area. Like Ephesians 5.16 says, Redeem the time because the days are evil. Ideas, buy up the opportunity. Really use your time wisely. Psalms uh, 39.4, Lord, make me to know my end and measure my days that I may know how fleeting my life is. Psalms 90 verse 12, So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Many, many verses about the use of your time in the scripture. Okay? All right? A weapon. Okay? That says weapon. Second Corinthians 4, 10, 4, and 5. Let no corrupt communication <laughs> proceed out of your mouth. But the word is very nigh thee in thy mouth and in thy tongue. Okay. All right, is there another way you think it would help you? Okay. All right, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Colossians 3.16, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Now, did we deal with that last one about weapon other than that one? What about Ephesians 6 what? All right, 6, 10, and 11. 
it talks about the Word of God, which is the, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Okay? Now, are there other ways you think it would help you? Okay? Peace of mind. Great peace have they which love thy law, nothing shall offend them. Psalm 119, 165, if you get offended easily, you better watch out. There's probably a problem there. And see, as you study what the way Joseph responded, the way other men who were wronged responded, when those times come to you, you've got a far, far, far greater chance of making it. You really do. And don't think you're going to go through this world without some wrong being done you, because you won't. All right? What about, uh, would it help you pray? Think it would? Well, I think it would. You know what you can ask, don't you? Memorize some verses on prayer. It will tremendously help you when you pray. You know, sometimes uh, when I have something to pray about, God will give me a promise, and I can go to God and say, Now, God, you said right here, Whosoever shall call, call unto you, and you'll answer and show great and mighty things, which we know not. Jeremiah 33, 3. And, and there are just many, many verses on prayer. And it'll help you in your prayer life. It really will help you in your prayer life. Not only that, but you can memorize Colossians 1, 9 through 11, Philippians 1, 9 through 11, Ephesians 3, 14 through 20. These are prayers of Paul. You want to know what to pray for new Christians? Well, go memorize one of those and pray for, for the Christians you know in that way. Okay, there are many, many ways it could help you. Now, if, if we could look back at those and say, okay, it would help you in all these ways, plus some others. It'll help you in prayer and other ways. Now, you look over that list. If you looked over that list, and if Scripture memory would help you in this way, do you think it might be worth 10 or 15 minutes of your time? Let me ask you this. Do you think if you're really serious about your own personal walk with God that there's any way under God's heaven you can justify not doing it when 10 minutes a day would help you in this way? I mean, can you honestly say, well, God, there's just no way you don't understand. I know you've given me 24 hours a day, and I know that if I gave 10 or 15 minutes to Scripture memory, I'd still have 23 hours and 50 minutes left, but God, there's no way I can make it without that 10 minutes. Now, that's ridiculous, isn't it? Now, let me just illustrate, too, one little simple thing that will help you. I hope I understand this. Let's suppose that one of you tonight wanted to learn about ladybugs, just ladybugs. I don't know what, what their name is. All I ever heard of them is ladybugs. You know, they're little ladybugs. <laughs> I'm not talking about male bugs and ladybugs. I'm talking about species that we call ladybugs. Come back to Vespers next week, and you're all excited about ladybugs. Oh, I read it. You know, there's spotted ones, and they're solid color ones, and they're big ones, and they're little ones. Well, so what? I mean, I, you don't know a whole lot more about ladybugs than I do. But you keep reading about ladybugs, and you read and read and read, and every day you go to the library and read about 10 minutes about ladybugs. At the end of the year, next year you come to Vespers, and we start talking about ladybugs, you know more than anybody at Vespers about ladybugs. <laughs> And you keep reading about ladybugs and you come back and come back over here when you're a senior and, man, you know more about ladybugs than anybody on campus. There's not even a biology professor who knows more about ladybugs than you do. And eventually your kids come to OU and they come to Vespers. And one night we happen to be around here and Carolyn begins to talk to this kid and says, uh, you know, I've been going over to the library reading about ladybugs. So let me, she begins, yeah, my dad wrote the book. <laughs> Now, you see, 10 minutes a day, just something little, but day after day after day after day, it mounts up. I was talking to John Crawford. I went out to retreat center yesterday, and he said, you know, I just heard something on the news last night about some basketball player, some guy that's all pro. And they were asking him, 
what was one of the things you do? And he said, well, I just went in after practice and took... He said, just, you know, I just decided years ago that everybody else quit practicing. And he said, I'd just go and take 500 extra shots. 500 extra shots. I mean, that's all he did. Just to, Well, there's no wonder he's an all-pro. And see, just... Now, that's a big thing, really. But you can take something little and just put it in your life day after day after day after day. And over a period of years, and you know, I can say this honestly, through the years, I've had real struggles with Scripture memory. I don't stand here before you tonight and say somebody that started years ago and has never hit a snag. I mean, I don't know anybody that's ever memorized verses over a long period of time, but what you've had some problems with it. I mean, there are people right here in this room that have started four or five times, and you're just sophomores, right? I mean, you start and you have problems. You don't, you'll have some problems with it. But if you'll start and come up with a system that'll work for you, yeah, you'll run into snags. It won't always be easy. It's always going to be discipline. It's always going to be hard. But let me tell you, God will use that in a tremendous way to, to help for your own life and help to equip you for a ministry, if you'll do it. Now, I want to share with you just quickly a simple little way to do it. I would suggest to you in starting to memorize, memorize key verses, not large passages. In other words, and I know that there are people that recommend that you memorize, you know, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and that's fine. I don't have any problem with it. And I've memorized some passages. But I think you need to know more by the time you know 150 verses than just Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Because, see, people have problems in areas. You have problems with pride. Okay? If you have a problem with pride, you memorize 1 Corinthians 4, 7. I mean, that will get on your case good. The point of it is, you need quick working information with you at all times on many, many, many subjects. And the good thing about it, when you get out into a ministry like many of you will have, as laymen and women, you never know when you go to the office that day a question you might be asked. But if you will take and you will memorize broadly on a number of topics, a person can mention nearly anything. Now, for example, if tonight we were going to spend some time in prayer, and I say, well, why don't we just review some verses before we pray? Okay? And I'll just share with you, like, some verses that I've learned on prayer. And I could say, uh, okay, uh, Rick, if you'll get Genesis 32, 26 through 28, and if you'll get Jeremiah 33, 3, and if you'll get uh, Ephesians 3, 14 through 20, and you get Philippians 1, 9 through 11, and you get Colossians 1, 9 through 11, and you get Matthew 21, 22, and you get John 16, 24. And there are just many, many verses that will come to your mind. If you'll memorize, and over a period of time, on many, many topics, somebody mentioned love, and immediately verses come to your mind on love, or peace, or joy, or witnessing, or any of these things. And if you will learn specific key verses, it will help you and will greatly help you to help other people. Now, let me give you a warning at this, at this point, what I said about pride. You know, people sometimes say, uh, if anybody ever asks you, well, how many verses do you know? I don't know how many verses I know. I don't want to know how many verses I know. See, God is not so much interested in how many verses I know as to the quality of my life. And so the reason you memorize, first of all, is for you. You're reading. God speaks to you through a verse about a area of your life or something, and you memorize it for you. Then you will also, as you read, you'll find verses, and you think, boy, I wish I'd have known this verse last week when I was talking to so-and-so. 
And God will give you verses that you'll memorize specifically for your ministry. But you'll find far more verses that you'll memorize for your own life. Start memorizing key verses. And if you'll do that and study the context, you can also know something of the context without having to memorize the whole thing. Now, for example, I don't have any desire to memorize the New Testament. Some people do, and that's terrific. You know, I think if I did, it, I'm not sure I'd ever get anything else done. And see, in order to know a key verse out of Genesis 39, or like a story of David and Goliath, you know, I don't think I need to memorize it. You know, the men got up in the morning and they looked over across the hill and that sort of thing. But I can memorize key verses, get the essence out of that, and know a great deal more than just memorizing a whole thing. So I would suggest to you that your primary memory ought to be with key passages, key verses. Sometimes maybe three or four verses together, but start with, with key passages. Now, one of the ways you can do this is writing it on cards. I don't know, do not know of a better way than writing it on cards. If you'll write it on little white cards, and we have these by the hundreds down in the bookstore, write it on little cards. And if you'll do that, you can keep these with you. You can keep them in your hand. There's times like I did this last night, not trying to, and no one at First Baptist Church knows it, not one person. But I was standing in line, I walked up there, and I had to pay my dollar and a quarter in order to eat. And so I walked up, and there's a line, wasn't very long, probably long as I'm here to the door in here to this office. And so I pulled my verse pack out and reviewed 25 verses by the time I had to pay. And I know this because I've timed myself on it. I first learned this from another man. I can review 50 verses in 10 minutes. Now, these are verses that you well know. And you can get through about 50 verses in 10 minutes if you have well memorized them. Now, I'm talking about reviewing them just to keep them, not for meditation. And John Crawford first told me that and said, I can, I can quote you 50 verses in 10 minutes and preach you a little sermonette on two of them in 10 minutes. And he can do it. And you know, Gene Moore told me one time years ago, he said, I review 900 verses a month while I'm shaving with electric razor. I, I review 30 verses a morning and while he's shaving, he just whips through 30 verses, and he can get through 900 verses in a month while he's shaving with electric razor. Now, one of the great advantages, rather than memorizing it out of your Bible, you can study the context, but then put it on a card, and you can take it with you, and you can keep it with you, and have it in times that you'll ordinarily be wasting time. And one of the greatest times to do this is while you're in college, because you turn your mind on and off. You go to chemistry, turn it on to chemistry, Walk out of there, go to English, turn on English, and see, walking to and from class. Now, don't go around the campus like this, you know. <laughs> One of the good things about this size, you can hide it in your hand, you can stand in the cafeteria line, you can get to class early, and, uh, and using time that you waste, that you currently waste, I mean, as far as your mind's concerned. Now, walk, see, it doesn't take the full mature mind of a college student to walk from the BSU to English class, but you could review a number of verses doing that. And so if you'll put them on little cards and take them with you, keep them with you at all times. And you know, I, I honestly try to do this. I feel like I'm as undressed unless I have my verse pack with me. And I can keep these little cards. We have the cards, the packs. You can keep them in your pocket and use time that you'd ordinarily waste to memorize verses. Now, the way I do this, very simple. I write the reference on one side, flip it over, write the verse on the other side. Nothing sacred about it. How do I find verses to learn? Well, that's not using my problem if I'm reading the Bible because I see verses all along I want to memorize. So you write it on here. And another thing, we've got, we've got little memory packs downstairs, things that can help you. 
and that might be a good way for some of you to start. But if you'll use a card system, and then this way you can memorize out of several translations. Like I may memorize one out of King James. I might find one I like in another translation, memorize it. Many of the verses I've quoted to you, I memorized out of the King James Version. Now I'm memorizing out of the New American Standard. And I would suggest this to you, that you start with a good translation. And I would say something like the New American Standard or New International Version. It's good to memorize occasionally. You may find an unusual verse out of the Living Bible, but many times I've memorized a verse. I've heard someone mention it. I've gone back and studied that verse, and what that person memorized is not what the Bible says. It's an interpretation of what the Bible says. It's taking one facet. Now, for example, Proverbs 10:19 says, in the, in the multitude of words there wanteth not sin, but he that refrains his lips is wise. Now, you read that in the Living Bible, and it says something like this. Why do you keep putting your foot in your mouth? Why don't you just be sensible and turn off the flow? <laughs> now, you get the idea, but if you go back and study that passage in the Hebrew, there's no foot in there. <laughs> Not putting your foot in your mouth. Now, that's fine when you get to America because we use that. But you may go in some other country and talk about putting your foot in your mouth, and they've never heard that. <laughs> and you see, the fellow has taken that, and incidentally, the guy wrote it on a train in the way to Chicago each morning to use with devotionals for his kids. So it's okay to read, but you'd be much better off probably if you'd memorize, like if you're using a New American Standard, if you'd do your memory out of that, then when you're studying, you're also reviewing. Because some of us that started with the King James years ago before there's a New American Standard, and now we're reading a New American Standard or something like that, it's really difficult. And if you memorized it in one translation, don't ever go memorize it in another because you usually wind up mixing the two or not knowing it in either. Okay? So use a card system. I'd suggest this for you. Another thing, find a buddy system. If you can get a deal where you can have a buddy to check you on your verses or in a little accountability group. See, not legalistically, boy, you've got to do it, but the idea, I want to do it, so I need help. Will you help me? And if you can do that, you'll find it's such a help. Now, I want to just share one other thing with you quickly. Our time's gone. John Crawford found after many years of this, and, and then he got discouraged, and he got to where he wouldn't memorize. Now, incidentally, once you memorize a verse, you work on it every day for about two months. I mean, you go over it every day till you get it well ingrained, and then after that, if you get through it every two weeks, once a month, it's often enough to keep it. And so like John shared with me one time about how he did his verses. See, I may memorize one out of Ephesians, then one out of Genesis, then one out of First Corinthians. There's no order to it. I find a good verse, or God speaks to me, or someone shares one, I think I need that. So I memorize it. But then, after you've done this for a while, you can put them in books, Genesis through Revelation. Now, for example, I have mine in a little stack of 25, and they're not very many stacks, in case you're interested. But I can start, like, with Genesis. And if I have to drive somewhere, I've tried to get these in mind such that I can go through a book. Now, like, for example... Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, I'm driving along. I can be driving along tonight. It can be dark. I don't have my pack out. I don't run over anybody. I'm looking at the highway. <laughs> but I found that I can use time like that. And then Genesis 2-18, and the Lord God said, It's not good that the man should be alone. I'll make him a helpmate for him. And I can think about that. Then I know Genesis 2-24 and 25, and I can quote that. And then I know Genesis 17-1 and 19-27 and 22 1 and 2 and 10 through 12. And then I know Genesis 27, 20, or 29, 20, 32, 26 through 38, uh, 26 through 28, 39, 9 through 12, 39, 23, 41, 38, Genesis 50, 19, and 20. Now see, as a result of memorizing them, 
at different years, at different times, even in some of them in different translations, but later putting them in order, I pretty well get that in mind. I don't sit down and try to memorize Genesis 1-1, 2-18, 2-24 and 25, but as a result of reviewing them and just brushing up on that, then there are periods of time, and you can have a tremendous time. John says, I, my wife and I start on a trip. And he'll say, hon, let's review Ephesians. She says, okay. So they're driving along, just fellowshipping, no Bible out. You know, he's driving along. He says, well, and he'll quote Ephesians 1, 3, and she knows 1, 6, and he knows 1, 9, and then she knows 1, 12, 1, 15, he knows 1, 18, and then 2, 1, and 2, 2, and 2, 7, and 2, 2, 9. And he said, we can just pick a book and start driving down a highway and just have a tremendous fellowship. And he said, you know, my wife can stand right there flat-footed and quote you 700 verses. You don't give her a reference. You don't give her anything. Just turn her loose and let her stop. <laughs> now, let me tell you, I'm talking about something that's one of the saddest things, I think, in Christianity today. And I know because I can speak to this because I am one, one of the saddest things in Southern Baptist life is that when you're a little bitty kid, you got your memory verses. But about the time you get big enough for it to do you some good, we quit. Unless you happen to be in GAs and you have to pass a step or something. <laughs> but that's sad. Don't ever let anyone make you think that, boy, there's just something wrong with you if you memorize. Let me encourage you to do this. Now, I want you to bow your head, and let's take just a moment to pray. Some of you, God's spoken to you somewhere along the line tonight about that you ought to really do something in this area. Or for some of you, it's kind of a reviving of what you've been doing. Others of you, it's just encouragement. You want to do better what you've been doing. Or some of you are already having real victory in that area. But let me ask you just to take a moment to pray. Would you tell God, as a friend of mine said, that if he'll provide the grace, you'll provide the grit, and you'll get after it? Now, the day can come in which you can get out on your knees and you can pray all day and all night and pray for a week if you want to fast and pray for a week that God will make you, will help you to know his word. But let me tell you, unless you've been studying it and you've been memorizing it, God's going to tell you at the end of that time, you want to know the word, well, get up and get after it. See, don't try to substitute one good thing for something else. Now, the way to know the word of God is to get in it, study it, read it, be in Bible study groups, all these other methods, but we've talked about one primarily tonight, and one of the fastest, quickest ways is for you to memorize verses. Why don't you take just a moment and pray? Tell God what you'll do. See, James 1.22 says, Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. You can go away from here tonight deceived, thinking you've really been helped, but unless you become a doer of what you heard, It'll make no difference in your life. See, this could be not as a result of what a message it was tonight or my ability or anything else, but this could be a message that had changed your life perhaps as much as anything you've ever heard apart from when you accepted Jesus Christ. Take just a moment and pray and decide before God what you'll do. You may want to think of a buddy that you'll ask to check you on your verses, and you'll have to go over them dozens of times to get them down. But if you'll do it, I can honestly say God will bless you. Father, thank you for our time together tonight. And Lord, I pray for my own life and for these that are here that you will help us more and more to be diligent in getting your word into our hearts. Father, I can remember hearing a story and even reading about the little lady that Dawson interviewed that was in a prison, a little missionary that was in a prison under the communists in China. 
and how she had a little gospel of John, and she hid it in her clothing, and while she's in prison, that's all that she had. And when the guard was at the other end of the hall or at night under the cover with her little flashlight, she'd pull out that gospel of John until she had completely memorized it, learning this verse at a time and going over and over it. And what she said to Dawson, Dawson, you'll never know what the Word of God means to you until it's taken away. And Father, even in recent years, and men have been in Vietnam, prisons, and other places, what, what the Word of God meant to them. Lord, we don't know what the future holds. And even if we have a Bible in our home all the days of our life, it will not change us until it's transformed into our life. God, I pray for my life and for these that are here that you would mold our lives by your word, because we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.